Southeast Radio's morning mix. Chat, news, and your views. Alan Corcoran. I have two carers on the line with me that are going to uh, link in with us as well now. I've got Ashley McIniff. Good morning to Ashley. Good morning, Alan. And I've got Jane Johnson. Good morning to Jane. Hello, good morning, Alan. Good morning, everyone. Now, I know, Ashley, the, the nature of the life you lead, it means you have very few moments to talk to me today. So I just want to, I want to get your view uh, from what uh, Verona Murphy has brought forward when it comes to the whole area of thousand, a thousand people in Wexford alone waiting uh, for delivery of home care hours. Uh, bearing in mind, Verona, that uh, Ashley has to go literally in three or four minutes' time. Can you just summarise where, where you are in this and then we'll have a full chat? So, so what's the story here? Well, look, in raising the issue in relation to the home care support scheme, we find that governments have given 5 million extra hours of home care support only to find that they can't be delivered because we don't have the carers to do that. And I think that's given false hope to people like Ashling, like Jane, who are struggling since COVID. They have been literally prisoners in their own home. We have to find a way to do better. And if we can fund five million extra hours that can't be delivered, then we must find a way to divert that fund into what needs to be delivered, such as respite. And, you know, we have too many people who are getting letters saying that they are in, they can have the home care support but on the next line, we don't have anyone to deliver it. And to me, that's a scheme that's not fit for purpose. And, you know, I know Jane quite well, and I interact with Jane a lot, asking, I don't know you, but I do know that you are, in essence, part of the grouping of people, a half a million in total of people provide home care support and care services here in this country. And that saves the state 20 billion. And you have to be given due regard for that. And we have to put a scheme in place that gives you the headspace to be able to cope with all of this. Okay, I'll come back to you in a little while and I'll come back to uh, Jane just after the break. But because of the time constraints on you as a carer, Ashley, as a matter of interest, are you up to your tonsils again today and what you have to do, Ashley? (laughs) Always up to my tonsils, I'm afraid. Mm. Um, yeah, I just I actually have something a family engagement um, thing with Children's Hospital after this, so and I'm trying to juggle um, caring right. for Jack as well. So okay. um, it's just a usual tricky situation. Right. Um, really, um, all aspects of caring um, need to be considered, and uh, the, the problem is that carers have been disregarded by the government over and over again. Um, We're expected to live on a very measly amount of 219 euro a week and people with disabilities 203 euro yes um people who qualify for the pup um were given 350 um so that's kind of a bit of a kick in the teeth because they're saying people couldn't possibly survive on any less than that yet we do all the time Uh, a lot of carers who are full-time carers um they're means tested so they don't get anything we don't get any home support we don't get respite um I'm very lucky in that my son attends um, Hazel House in Laurel Inn, um, but um, Jack is 16 and that will end when he's 18. And then there's possibly nowhere for him to go because he has very, very complex medical needs. And the issue of respite is huge because at the end of the day, like I'm a lone parent and carer like Jane, and at the end of the day, if our children aren't attending respite or anywhere like that, if something happens to us, what happens then? Um, and my fear used to be always when, when Jack was younger and he was in and out of ICU and very sick, and he's been very sick recently, that um, 
you know, something would happen to him and he would die. And now I think my fear is more, what what if I died? What would happen to him? Because, like, at least while I'm here, he's safe and he's cared for and he's loved. Um, like, in situations like that where a parent passes away, what happens is sometimes there is nowhere for them to go and they might be put into a nursing home, which is totally inappropriate setting for um, a child with intellectual disability or a young adult with intellectual disability. And so our children are what drives us on and what keeps us going. Um, but unfortunately, we have to fight every single day for every single thing. And Jane will say the same. And like, it's it's actually very wearing. And Jane's ahead of me, like her, her sons are older and I I have two children, one of whom has um, special needs. So, like I I um I'm burnt out really, to be honest, at this stage because literally since he's been born, I've had to fight for everything, every step of the way. And um, carers in the pandemic, you know, we weren't prioritised for vaccines or PPE or priority testing. And um, like my son has been home cocooning since March 2020. So like we're heading for what was it, 21 months now or something. And um, we've had like really little help in that time. Partly because for a year I didn't have anyone in the house, I was too afraid. And then partly because I just can't get the nursing. And um, he's had very little in the line of schooling online. Yeah. Um, he had a bit, like say, from say, Christmas last year to June. But like um, this September now, he was supposed to go back and then cases started rising. And I had hurt my back, I had surgery and he was in Laura Lynn. So I was waiting for after that. And then as the cases have kept rising, our situation has just stayed the same and we're still at home cocooning and there's just no light at the end of the tunnel and I think that that's what's mm. the hardest thing for us and a little support would go a long way right. and we just don't get it and we have to beg for everything like recently I applied for a housing adaptation for a bathroom for Jack because first start I hurt my back but also he needs a bathroom where he can be hoisted in and uh Oh, we, we we had to appeal it because we weren't given enough the first time. Actually, on Friday, we just heard that we have been given almost the full amount. So I'm over the moon and now I just have to get the work done next year. Okay. But like all these things add up and it, it there is we carers like me are suffering from isolation and loneliness and our children who are home from school like this, lack of stimulation, lack of socialisation, regression, lack of routine and then school also acted as some sort of respite, like I was able to go swimming or whatever and I can't do anything now and like it's very difficult, Jack's been sick for the last nine weeks so we haven't been able to even go out for a walk, so like That's your life at the moment Ashley um, look, it's, uh, thank you for sharing that with us. I'm joined now by Jane Johnson, and we'll go back to Independent Deputy Verona Murphy in just a second to get her overview of what she's hearing from the carers. Morning to you, Jane. Good morning, Alan. How are you? I'm grand, Jane. And uh, listening to Ashley there, I feel very, very lucky this morning. She sounded so, so tired, so exhausted, worn down by all of this. My heart goes out to her, but uh, we can only imagine what people like you and her are going through at the moment. Yeah, and I'd agree with you, Alan. I, I, you know, I've known Ashling a long time. I, I thought she, she sounded tired and completely understandably so. Um, myself and my late husband, Rod, actually met Ashling, I think it was 10, almost 11 years ago now, outside the gates of Leinster House 
when we were at the time, and I think I was talking to you at the time as well, Alan, about the cuts to the special needs assistance, and um, we've, we've kept in touch throughout all of that time. And although Ashling and I are, are the people that we care for and that are sons, um, that they, you know, they have very different needs, but Ashling and I would live very similar lives. And look, it's 10 years on now, Alan, and, you know, as Ashling has said there, we're still fighting for everything. We're still doing the, be- the very best that we can for the people that we care for, our sons. And you know what, Alan? We're 10 years older as well. And another 10 years, we're going to be 10 years older than we are now. And really, there are no plans for families like ours, um, you know, either on, either in the smaller context or the, the longer term context. context. And very much li- links into, um, I suppose, what Thoreau Murphy um, brought up in the joy. Um, and it, just being one part of it, the thousand home care hours that, um, you know, I suppose on a financial, on a spreadsheet somewhere have been allocated to Wexford, but transferring that into the real world, um, the care hours aren't available because there is a staffing and, and recruitment um, yeah. crisis. Now, Ashling and I would be very much affected by that too. But I suppose my, my immediate concern would be for the 1,000 um, um, hours, you know, 1,000 people that are now caring, now have now become family carers to a loved one at home. And I think what the government really needs to address is what are the government doing to care for the family carer in that instance? Because the government and the HSC and the health service, because of this crisis, now actually need the family carer more than ever. Um, because really what we're saying, we can't provide the hour, where we're, the hours, then what we're saying to the care, well, you have to do it all on your own then. So how are we, how is the health service and how is the government supporting those people? Because it, it, it's simply not good enough just to ignore that that is a huge issue around that. And I did listen to Verona's um, interaction with Leo Varadkar in the Doyle and I noticed that he did acknowledge, um, you know, that there was an issue. And he did also acknowledge that it, it will have the implication that people will end up in hospital or in residential care or in nursing homes. Now, first of all, there is no residential care in Wexford. As Ashling has said, nursing home care is not, a, you know, an option for a child or a young person with an intellectual disability. But most of all, and I was disappointed that Leo Varadkar didn't actually say that, the largest part of the implications for not being able to deliver those home care hours is on the family carer. And, and Leo neglected to mention that um, okay. yesterday. Yeah. And that's, that's what needs to be brought into this conversation now, because right. we're really asking family carers to work 24-7. Mm-hmm. Um, we care for the people that we care for because we love them, Alan, and there is nothing that we wouldn't do for them. Yeah. But, do you, but know you, what? you are worried, though, care. Jane. You are. Can I just uh, stop you for a second there, because I want to bring Verona yeah. back in again. There's one yeah. startling statistic, Verona, and I, uh, that I have to bring to your attention before I get you just to assess what you've heard from Ashling and Jane. 5,000 people are currently waiting on delivery of approved home care hours in Ireland. And the, the statistic of the day is this one. Of this total, one-fifth of the entire country are awaiting delivery of hours in County Wexford. That's an abject failure on this government's part uh, to, 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 to provide this service to the people of Wexford. One-fifth. Is that right? Is that, can you back up that statistic? 
Well, that's correct, Alan. Yes, I can. And I mean, the group Family Carers Ireland have pointed out to government for a long time that there is geographic disparity across the country. And the reason I can back up this statistic is the last time I raised an issue in relation to carers in the Dáil was only in July, in which case we had 546 families in Wexford waiting for home care support package to be delivered. And from then until that statement where one of my constituents had contacted me and she was told that she was going to be, she was 1,000th on the list. So she was at the number on the waiting list, she was number 1,000. So I think, you know, everything Jane has said um, resonates with me. In fact, last week, I used both my doll speaking slots to bring up carers. Initially, the day before, I spoke with the the Taoiseach under promised legislation, asking when he was going to make good on the programme for government in relation to carers. I wasn't particularly happy with this. I just got your standard civil servant answer that we've increased the home care support scheme by 5 million hours but that's like giving someone a car and saying sorry there's no fuel it's not going anywhere Can I stop you and straight away because we want the listeners who are and we have so many listeners who are carers and tune into us every day and I really appreciate it in their busy schedules Here's here's a comment um, from our Morning Mix listeners just phoned Orla on 053-914-5222 Alan, none of this makes sense I have a friend who is a qualified carer she applied for a job with the HSE two months ago and is still waiting for a reply so I mean somebody yeah, needs to step up to the plate and be held accountable for this and get it sorted Well well, I think Alan this is where I brought it to the attention of both the Taunishta and the Taoiseach on the basis that the, the issue has been identified where there is a shortage of staff in this country we can put uh, you know we can put permits in place for critical skills in which we can access carers from other countries but that's reviewed every six months and that review has dated mm. we don't have a recruitment issue on the basis of lack of availability we have it because we don't we're not offering proper terms and conditions and pay to the carers who have right. left the sector and i think if you just hear what jane is saying jane is a family carer and she didn't apply for the job she's a mother caring for her two sons and jane will tell you that in that regard right. there is no support given to her not in the way that it would be if she was in any other job or role it's mentally it's a very mentally okay. draining occupation and we need to improve on the whole system we, and i think that's yeah. where we can't have 10 minutes of this on the floor of the doll we actually at this stage need to set up a proper forum that deals with the carers on both sides a yeah. family carer in jane's scenario and someone who's trying to avoid going into a nursing home our older elder society members who mm. deserve to be cared for all right i've got to wrap it up in just a few moments time i've got to go to angarda chicana for a, a regular update with them on a tuesday and sergeant matthews is standing by and he's lots of information about scams and burglaries etc which i need to get out before 11. that stat of five thousand people currently waiting on delivery of approved home care hours in ireland and one-fifth of the total here in county wexford to me is absolutely scandalous jane johnson what do you think 
it, it absolutely is. And, you know, I'd agree with Verona there. Um, you know, that look, I have the most fantastic people, I have to say, Alan, and many of us will say that, who work uh, with my sons, be it in their service provider or there in, or, or in school, and very much people that were absolutely made for the job and are really, are, I suppose, a great support to our family. We need to hold on to the people we already have. And we also need to look at why, um, you know, the hours aren't actually coming through and what the problems are with regards to contracts. I think it's an awful shame, really, that, you know, the, the, the government and the HSE really got ourselves in the in the in this by actually privatising a lot of our home care hours um, to private companies. I think we should have maintained that within within, under the arms of the state. Um, But look, I suppose from my point of view, Alan, I'm a carer. It is my job to care for my boys and to advocate for them and for my family. And I would hope to to include other families that are like mine as well in that. I'll hand that back over to the health service and to the people that we've elected to run our country. It is something that they need to look look at because there are implications if they don't and those implications and those consequences right. are held by people like Ashling and I and the 500,000 other family carers in this country. We are the people that are dealing with the implications and the consequences of that and as Ashling said, we're burning out and this is an okay. urgent issue. Have to leave and, it. And, yes. Can I just say, Ellen, yes, in, in relation to Ashling, uh, I wouldn't mind getting a comment from you just well, to round off, please. Well, I th- you know, I think both Ashling and Jane, my job here is to highlight to government what they're saying and where the issues are and to keep highlighting it in opposition until such time as we have a fix in place. And, you know, yeah. I'm providing solutions. Jane can provide solutions. So can Ashling. They are on the ground. They know what's required. And that's where government has to listen. Anything, delivering five million, or sorry, providing funding for five million extra hours that can't be delivered, unfortunately, is seen as spin. The intention is there, but the spirit of this scheme is to keep people at home with their families and provide support. Unfortunately, that is not happening and we will see people having to revert just on mental health grounds alone to nursing home and residential facilities. Southeast Radio's Morning Mix. Chat, news and your views.